Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 242 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening in our usual time slot, and joining me as often, the great Eric Cole is here. Hello, sir. Hey, man. What's going on? Ah, uh, you know, a, a nice slow sports weekend for me. Uh, nothing, <laughs> no, nothing going on in the world as the NFL is back, college football is back, the NBA is still happening, the NHL is still happening, and baseball. Oh, yeah, tennis, all yeah, kinds of stuff it, happening, it's soccer. Yeah, it's kind of a content overload, right? Like, it's, it's like unreal. all of a sudden there's all these things. And it's like, and like within each sphere, like, you know, there's like the specter of COVID's over all of them in different ways. Like, some games aren't happening yet or aren't going to happen, but there's still other parts of the conference that are happening. You know, it's it's really kind of bizarre. Yeah, uh, it's wild. Kind of uh, take it all in. They've kind of paid us back uh, for all of the absolute dead zone that was. And hopefully this all continues because I, I still enjoy sports. But alas, here we are talking about the Braves. The Braves had a nice week. Uh, I did a few, if anybody missed this, I did have Zach Diller of Fox Sports South on the podcast midweek to break up uh, a little bit of what was going on. But there was still six games the after legend. that. Uh, yes, shouts to Zach for coming on. Go listen to that podcast. Uh, but the Braves still went four and two after that. They were very busy. Six more games. Lots to get to. We'll talk about the games in a second. Um, we'll start with the news, though. A few different things roster-wise to hit on. This week, before we dive into the madness that was Wednesday uh, and Ian Anderson and all that stuff, it's all coming, I promise. Um, Ozzy Alves is back. That was good. He came back on Wednesday. Uh, When he returned, Johan Camargo was optioned to the alternate site. That was not a huge surprise. And the other uh, bits of news, and we'll sort of take them all at once, Tommy Malone went to the IL with elbow inflammation. Uh, there were jokes about that, about him uh, having the ruptured success gland. I saw you make, make make one of those jokes on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, <laughs> I may have put it in the article I wrote up on it too. But yeah. uh, that's fine. I understand. Um, you know what comes back there? Culberson got, uh, got through waivers and was in, uh, sent to the alternate site. Sean Newcomb got recalled on Saturday and is apparently stretched out to start if they had to, if they had to do that. And they DFA'd. Robbie Erlin after a seven appearance, five start run with an 8.49 ERA. So I throw all that at you. Uh, we don't have, we don't have to go transaction by transaction, but obviously Ozzy matters. Anything else about to you that's worth, that's worth discussing? I'm just glad that Malone and Erlin aren't making starts anymore. I mean, we talked about this after the trade deadline that, you know, if your plan is to not make additions at the trade deadline, I mean, no one thought that Malone and Erlin were going to, like, that was going to be at the job done. No one did. And so at that point, you need to go, when are we going to get these young guys starts and get them ready? Because at some point, you need to know who's going to be in your postseason rotation. And we saw Ian Anderson come up. We saw Kyle Wright make a start today. And, like, these moves are kind of uh, a nod to the fact that, obviously, there's going to be some changes to the rotation with Max Fried coming off the injured list and Cole Hamels, in theory, actually pitching in a British uniform. I have yet to see it, so I'm not going to take anything for granted uh, until it actually happens. But, you know, it's <laughs> nice that we're kind of moving away from, you know, what they have been doing, <laughs> which is just kind of run- like, and it's, it, it's been super predictable. They run these guys out. They're terrible for two or three innings. And then you have to just do a bullpen game and then hope the offense comes back and not for nothing, but this offense is good enough to like come back in like the most unlikely of situations. You know, they, they, they had, they've had like multiple comebacks just this week and it's kind of wild that, you know, this offense and this bullpen has 
been almost held back by the rotation, despite the fact that the team's still in first place. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, you know, guys like Tukey get a st- maybe get at the very least. I feel like that they're it's more interesting to watch those guys than watching, you know, Malone and Erlen sorting flailing around up there. Um, the Braves being obviously Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright being having good starts recently is a big plus. But you know, if they if this rotation can even be passable considering how good the offense has been playing and how good the bullpen is like, this is a team that can have some like deep postseason run, you know, aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously we've uh, litigated the Robbie Erland stuff to death, but I didn't understand him getting a start this week. That, that blew my mind after uh, that was announced. And uh, fortunately that is now over with for now. Tommy Malone. I mean, you got to give him a chance. You traded for the guy. Uh, we were not excited about that, but I also defended it and I still would. It, they, it cost them very little to go ahead and try to plug somebody in. He was just terrible. You know, three starts, nine and two thirds innings, 22 hits, 16 runs, a 14.9 ERA. And opponents slugged nine slug not, not OPS just slugging nine eighteen off time alone. That's in insane. When, when, when I was in the dock, I was like blown away that that was true. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, he's not he's not that bad. Uh, Tommy Malone, it was not obviously he's not as good as he was before he got to Atlanta this year. We kind of all knew that there was some spoken mirror stuff in there. He's just not exciting, and he's not as bad as he was this year uh, with the Braves in these three starts. But still, um, you got to do something. You can't allow that to continue, even in a, a situation where the Braves don't really need the wins necessarily right now. And uh, you go to the young guys. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what what has with Sean Newcomb, but I'm in favor of of him being on the major league roster. Um, obviously, preferably in a bullpen role. But if, you know, even then, yep. if it, if it comes down to it, uh, I would prefer Newcomb to Erlen if it's one versus one on starts. <laughs> that, 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 uh, that's exactly what I tweeted. I'm like, I would rather Newcomb start games than Erlen right now. But oh, let's by be a lot. clear, my yeah. pre- my professor my profession preference is for neither to actually start yes. uh, some people were like you know but he's not going to be starting i'm like well you, okay you're misunderstanding if there's a roster <laughs> spot i want newcomb to have it not erlin yeah we, um, we've we, we've 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 honestly seen sean newcomb pretty recently be a strongly above average bullpen arm i'm not sure you can bank on it based on what we've seen this year but there's certainly an outcome where he really helps you to play off series out of the bullpen so if he looks like himself in that way, sign me up. You know, coming into the year, we all talked about this. Um, we were on that side of not wanting Newcomb to start. The Braves wanted to give him a chance, all that stuff. Um, but he has been good in the bullpen whenever he's been asked to be in the bullpen. So if that's where he's going to be, hopefully that works out. And he's just another talented arm, not a guy who – he obviously has flaws. We all know that. But someone who could be very useful in a role that he uh, – perhaps is destined for at this point in time. Uh, you mentioned Tukey. He is going to start on Monday. That is uh, going, that's going to happen. And then we're, we're all thinking it's going to be Hamels Wednesday and maybe free back on Friday. Um, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. We all know this. I don't want to do the whole rotation thing again, and we'll save Anderson and Wright for a few minutes from now. But Hamels isn't going to be a stretch, stretched out all the way, all that stuff. Uh, Freed, we obviously hope he is back and ready to go and hundred percent. Uh, you know, Tukey starting Monday doesn't mean he's going to be the starter in that spot for a long time. But, you know, I'm still just in favor of trying the guys who are talented. Uh, I, I would probably bet against Tukey starting um, the rest of the season. But if it works out, he flashes. We know how that how that is. And I, I keep saying this on every podcast. I'm going to say it one more time on this show. I hope they are planning or at least equipped to do some sort of a piggyback involving Wright slash Tukey or some creativity of some sort, because even with all this stuff, they threw Josh Tomlin for a start this week. Tomlin is not a starter. I mean, he's someone that I've liked. We've liked on this podcast. We've been supportive I, of John Tom, Josh him. Tomlin, but he is not a starter. It's just what it is. Yeah. I love, I love him in that long man role. It just seems like every time he needed to come in and like throw two or three innings, he was just very good in that role. And it just kind of stinks that he just can't do that at the beginning of games. And that comes down to kind of how, you know, being how you prepare as a start a starter for a, an appearance versus how you prepare for a reliever. Like some guys are just built for one over the other, you know. Like we like the Braves have like tried to uh, have tried using openers in the minor leagues as an example, and like most of the guys who got used as openers hated it because it just they kind of felt like they had to treat the appearance not like a, a, as a reliever, but like treat it like they were starters and you know kind of do that that, that same pregame ritual. And it's you know, it just doesn't really work for some guys. So, you know, glad that, you know, we're probably not going to have to see Tomlin making as many starts. Uh, I still want him on the team, obviously, because I think he's very useful. Yep. Um, one thing one thing I wanted to mention before we kind of moved on was, like, 
I would have been perfect. I would not have been surprised at all if neither, if, if one of Camargo or Culberson weren't on this roster, but not having either of those guys is like your super utility guys is kind of wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they've seemingly uh, just chosen Hechevaria in, in that role. Yeah. I know he's not quite as versatile as the other two guys are, but given how many outfielders they have, they don't nearly, they don't have to care about that. And Hetch can play anywhere else, so that's kind of what they've chosen. I think Camargo will be back at some point, if I had to guess. But that um, sounds right. Depends on how he does. Yeah. Yeah. If he if he looks okay, if they like where he is, they might bring him back at some point in time. But I had the same thought as you, and then I kind of thought about it, and without without um, I, I guess I should say with the DH. And with Hetch on the roster and able to play all over the infield, the only thing that, the only thing that you're really losing there is him in a corner outfield spot, and he doesn't have to do that. If they got into a serious pinch, you could throw Riley in the corner outfield if you had to, and put Hetch at third. Like it doesn't really matter to, that you don't have that super utility guy. I've been very pro that role in the past, but with the DH, it's just less valuable. And we've seen that. We saw yep. that with Culberson just not playing really at all, and Camargo just wasn't very good. So it, you know. I think ultimately, if if I was picking a roster for the playoffs right now, I would probably guess that Camargo is on it, but not with a whole lot of conviction. And if they don't, if they don't have him on it, if they don't have either one of those guys on the roster, I won't complain because they have a guy in Hetch that can kind of do that same thing. And in terms of pinch hitters, I would I don't I don't I don't love Camargo, Camargo at the plate at the plate right now. So what are you really losing? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You know, just kind of how this roster sort of turned out, it's kind of made it where it's not as big of a deal, but overall it's just kind of wild just to kind of think about that. We really did. Again, we really liked that sort of guy, that guy in that role, but at the end of the day, just, there's not really a spot considering how this roster is sort of shaking out, given all the quality of the bats. Yeah. It is very strange to not have that guy uh, when we were talking about the two of them for so long and how they're kind of overlapping and all that stuff and having neither of them is a bit odd, but there you go on that. Okay. Uh, we'll see what happens with, with the rotation this week. Uh, obviously Hamels being Hamels would be very helpful we don't know how that's going to look, but if he pitches Wednesday, we will learn about that. Um, it'll be a small sample size. So it'll be probably three innings, four innings max. But uh, yeah, obviously Cole Hamels has a lot more upside than most of these guys do. So we'll see what Cole Hamels looks like. Um, that's kind of my only thought on that before we move on. We'll show anything else. No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we have um, a, a, an interesting slate of games to work through. And yes. I mean, overall, just, you know, overall, just kind of, it feels like a bit of a return to normalcy and maybe we can have gotten through the really tough stretch of this, uh, what what could have happened this season. And now we can kind of get back to kind of talking about things normally as opposed to talking about a team without most of their rotation and like a lot of their good players. Yeah. This roster looks like it's supposed to look for the most part. And that is uh, nice to see after some downtime, some lean periods this season. Okay. After a quick break, we'll come back and go through all the games this week and look ahead to the future. So hold on tight and stay tuned. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. 
All right, Eric, we are back. Uh, I want to lead. Let's ignore Tuesday for the most part. They got smoked on Tuesday. It was their fourth loss of five games, but that was a long time ago. Right looked bad. Uh, Sixto Sanchez was awesome um, on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the diamond for the the opposition, which is never fun. But Wednesday was crazy, so let's just start Wednesday and go from there. Obviously, Wednesday the Braves scored twenty nine American runs, which is out- outrageous. Uh, the National League record for runs. It was the first time in Major League Baseball history that any game ended twenty nine to nine. Uh, that's crazy. It's also the first. Scoragami, which is the uh, which is a new final score that's never happened before in the history of baseball in more than 20 years, and that's any kind of score that had never happened. So that's kind of crazy as well. Uh, Adam Duvall hit three three home runs again. It was the second time in eight days that Adam Duvall, favorite of this podcast, hit three home runs in one day. And the craziest part about that is that it was the first time in franchise history that any player has hit two three home runner games in a Braves uniform, and he did it in eight days. Let's pause there. I throw a lot of numbers at you there. There's more, but I mean, this was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was kind of like it was a bizarre game, right? Like Braves scored a bunch of runs. You know, Marlins start coming back. I think at one point it was like thirteen to eight, and I'm like, this has been kind of a wild game. You know, like what's going on? Like you know, like <laughs> and then it got crazy. Like a pitching off. Yeah, like that. That that that's where I kind of was like, that's where I'd kind of stopped with it. I'm like, okay, and you know, I'd kind of I had some other things going on and I, I kind of stepped away for a bit and I come back to this it's when I came back when it was like 22 to 22 to 8 22 to 9 I'm like what is going on in this game and it just felt like it never ended and the 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 clincher was when Duval came to bat with the bases loaded when it was 25 to 9 and I'm like this is 100% going to be a grand slam <laughs> like I just knew it I, I just knew it was coming you know what I mean? And and he parked it, and I'm just like, the, the, like in terms of what the again, there's been some wild games, you know, like whether it be wild endings, uh, wild comebacks, but in terms of just like what is even happening, top to bottom, just beginning to end, like that one's near the top for me, if not at the top, because I mean, I've seen some offensive displays from this team, but what they did. It was just it just didn't it just didn't end it just felt like no and th- that poor uh, Jordan Yamamoto the the reliever they brought in to just basically wear fourteen runs yeah to just leave him out there so- to die was brutal yeah it was not good yeah uh, yeah I mean he's like a a second year pitcher and they're like coming in for a relief appearance and hanging him out there for like one hundred and eighteen pitches or something like that um, I I. I had problems with that, but at the same time, I'm not really sure what else the, the Marlins yeah, were going to do. They were, they were just punting. That was a situation where if you ever have a time to use a position player, that's probably it. But it didn't uh, matter too much, I suppose. I mean, the Braves had seven home runs in the game. They actually had 29 runs on only 23 hits, which is kind of hard to do if you do the math. On that, they scored 11 runs in the second inning to break it all open in the very beginning of the game. Um, they didn't score in three of the nine innings which is the craziest other thing. They scored 29 runs and only scored in six innings. They didn't score in the first, eighth, or the ninth. Obviously, they didn't have to, they'd have to bat in the ninth. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it also co- it also coincided with the first time ever of Freddie Freeman hitting behind Ronald Acuna. And coincidence, yes. Eric? I think not. No, no. I'm kidding. I'm kind of no. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm also kind of not. We, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I wondered out loud in uh, Snicker... Did not prove us wrong until now. We th- we thought on this podcast, you and I, that as soon as uh, Ronnie was back, they would move Freddie, um, and they uh, they did, and then they didn't. They-, they put it back. That really excites me. And now, after you score twenty nine runs the first time it happens, you have to leave it one and two. So now the Braves are taking the revolutionary approach of having their best two hitters hit first and second. I- I've I've really kind of tempered saying anything about it for fear that it would like I would jinx it or something. Uh, and they've they've had a lot of really good hitters of late, so I'm like worried that like it goes to the complete opposite end of the spectrum, where basically whoever the two hottest hitters are, are the top two, the top two hitters in the lineup. But uh, it's really refreshing to see these changes. Uh, I, I've been I've been marginally happier with how the bullpen's being managed as well, and it just feels like you know they've kind of they have found a way to make this team as constituted win, and and, and the offense has just gotten better and better. You know, obviously that 29 run game on Wednesday was insane, but I mean, like, 
just this team just wins games out of nowhere. You know, they'll be down four to two. It look like they're not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden there's like a six. The, the, there's no team in baseball that's as good as at six run innings as this team is right now. This kind yeah, of getting you really out of nowhere. Have... Like, I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, you could see like the Dodgers or, you know, these, there's teams that have really good offenses, but they're just like, it's kind of like, you know, they score a run, they score a run, they score two, they score two. And all of a sudden, like there's just a consistent six or seven run team. Whereas like in terms of like purely explosive, you have a tough time beating the Braves. I mean, Ozzy Albies is batting ninth in this lineup right now, and it doesn't feel weird that he's there. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean it, 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 it is weird, but I, I do, I, I understand it though, given oh, yeah, what they've been like, doing. I mean, like he's just come, he's just coming back from injury. He would like had that slow start before the injury. Like it makes sense, but like he's been really good. You know what I mean? Like the worst hitter, the worst hitter over the last couple weeks on the Braves, other than Ender Inciarte, who hasn't been playing all that much now that Ronnie's been back, has been Nick Markakis. And, you know, he's, you know, he's chipped in here and there, but you can't, and you can't expect a guy to kind of, you know, just, especially for an older guy like that, who's kind of known to kind of fade down the stretch. You can't expect him to like continue hitting 350 all year, you know? No, he was, he like was due, that, he was if, due to cool off and, yeah. um, he's actually, I think it was, was it? yeah, today he had two hits today. So he looked better today, which is good. Uh, he had that really long, yeah, giving him some days off, yeah. that really long stretch where, uh, I think Zach and I mentioned on the last podcast midweek, but I think he was like over 26 or something. It was the longest streak of his career yeah, without, he, without a hit. Um, so that he was a yeah. man and probably in need, in need of some rest given his age. Now that he had a couple of days off, I hope he might look okay again. Well, yeah. I mean, like he hadn't had a hit since August, you know, yeah, a it was a long time. So, well, and again, like, you know, just give him a couple of days off. And like, the, the nice thing is, if he's your worst hitter in your lineup, you're doing really well, really, really well. Like, you know, there was times, you know, when a lot of these guys were hurt, we're just like, you know, like you're seeing Ender and Ciarte taking the bats or, you know, you know, watching what Johan Camargo has been doing. You know, Austin Riley's really turned things around for himself. He's, he's not quite as hot as he was, but he's still like consistently producing. He's drawing walks. He's, you know, overall has been, you know, top to bottom. You just look and you're like, is is it really true that you know Adam Duvall is like the fifth best offensive player on this team? Because it might be true, even though the numbers haven't really borne that out. He's been so good over the last couple, you know, last week or so. It's just wild. Like this, this team just has a bunch of ways to beat you. Like Ronnie didn't have like a the last couple games. He hasn't been very good at all, and he's. It still felt like the offense was just fine. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean. Going through the top guys for the season, and this is not even, I mean, they've been even better than this recently, but Duvall has a 134 WRC plus, Ozuna, 163, Freeman, 180, Ron Acuna Jr., 166, Dansby Swanson, 120. So, like, those five guys have been lights out. And then you get into, like, the guys who've been a little bit more streaky, like your Austin Riley's, um, Marquecas is really good early on, Ozzy's coming on now. So, I mean, the offense is in great shape. Uh, we can't rely on them to score as much as they have been in the relatively recent past. Because um, even, you know, the 29 game, take the 29 run game out of the mix. Uh, Thursday, they scored seven in a comeback win that Freddie Freeman said was the best win of the season because they had to come back from 5-0 after Erlin was awful again. Um, they scored seven on Friday despite the loss. Uh, Saturday, Saturday they cooled off in the Ian Anderson game, but then they scored a bunch again today. So, you know, the offense has been just ridiculous. The Really the entire last month plus i don't even know how long it's been at this point in time i feel like every podcast we discuss how good the offense has been for quite some time now and that's fun to do i'm happy to keep doing it um but for the season i think the braves are like fifth in wrc plus on fan graphs coming into today uh fourth actually fourth coming into today and it probably went up after today's game so you're figuring a top four or five offense in the majors this season you know, we were not low on the offense, but I think if you pulled us before, pulled me, you, and Scott before the season, no one would have predicted the number four offense in the majors, and that's pretty ridiculous how, how good they've been. Yeah, more like a top, like you, you'd think maybe with the the top three or four guys that maybe you can put like a top eight offense. Which, oh, you yeah, know, I mean, especially good, when you very, factor in the good. injuries. Like if you told me that Ronald misses time, Ozzy was Ozzie bad, and then, and then the missed time, like – it's pretty crazy that the Braves have been able to be this good on offense with, granted, Acuna's been awesome, but Ozzy's been a below-average hitter when he's played this season, and then he missed time, and he was your third-best player coming into the season. He still probably is your third-best player overall. It's it's wild to think about how good this, is, this has been. We were very high on, on Ozuna. We were high on Duvall, but even those guys have been better than you would think. So, I don't know. There's it's lots of defense. love. 
Except on yeah. defense in Ozuna's case. He well, Ozuna's defense doesn't matter anymore. He's just going to DH forever, which is fine. No, nope, exactly. You don't have to. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That's right. Uh, it's no longer no longer an issue, Eric. Uh, oh, we should mention before I forget to say this: Bryce Bryce Wilson got a save on Wednesday in a twenty run win. That, just for the record, that yeah. happened. Friend, friendly reminder that the win stat and the save stat mean absolutely nothing. I meant to make, I meant to say that earlier, but it was just that's one of those crazy baseball things that I really that I really enjoy is that people were like arguing about it on Twitter like vociferously, like they're so angry about this. I'm like, look, the stat doesn't matter, but it's it's a, it's a little quirk that happened. He got a save. He finished the game. He pitched a bunch of innings uh, and finished the game up twenty. I, I granted it was no no stress, but uh, it still goes it still goes in the box score. Safe, Bryce Wilson. Yeah, it's just kind of more of a funny thing than anything else. It's don't so don't, don't measure don't measure relievers by what how many saves they got. But when saves happen in really bizarre situations, it's kind of funny to point out. Ma- mainly just to point out how silly the stat is more than anything else. So yeah, um, uh, <laughs> we can leave that one for there. Uh, I do want to mention Friday real quick. I, I know I said it a second ago. They they came back and almost won Friday, being down five nothing. They did lose eight uh, seven. That was one of those frustrating games that even when their offense is actually this yeah. good. They left a million guys on base on Friday night. Um, they left um, three runners on in extra innings. They had 14 hits and 12 walks. So that's 26 base runners, only seven runs. That's tough. Uh, so it's crazy to score yeah, seven I runs think... and be frustrated by your offense, but that actually kind of happened on Friday. And also it was doubled up by Ronald Acuna getting injured. Granted, he came back the next day, which was great to see. But uh, it's it's just crazy to think about a game in which you score seven runs you come back from 5-0 and it's like seen as a brutal loss and yet it kind of was well it was almost it, the way Acuna reacted to fouling that ball off like it I was, was scary. convinced that he had a broken he had a broken bone in his ankle or something yep. uh, but it looks like he's kind of hit like a particularly sensitive spot and he I mean he hasn't looked awesome the last couple of games but like I don't I think he's just he's probably sore more than anything else and he got like a, a hit in his first at bad back so I'm not like super concerned or anything Yep. But overall, it's kind of a, you know, I think that the the comeback, leaving all those extra guys on base and Acuna not being in the game uh, are things that are very related. Uh, when you have one of your best hitters out of the lineup and you replace him with Ender Inciarte, you know, it's kind of hard to drive in the same number of runs and do a lot of the same things dynamically and have the other team pitch to you the same way. So, you know, it's... Yes. Um, I, I, I didn't really, like, worry too much about that one. It was certainly frustrating because, like, you know... At the end of the day, you can't just give a team that many opportunities to beat you because they're going to, especially when you know extra innings start becoming involved. So, you know, it, it, again, kind of a weird game. Uh, <laughs> I was almost happy that Tomlin managed to go for four innings uh, based on how some of the like you know, the Tomlin Erlin Mer- Malone triumphant had gone. But you know, again, I I don't worry so much about in the short term the games like that, as long as they're not being strung together. And it just seems like the offense is better about stringing together big offensive games. Oh yeah. But, I mean, the than, result doesn't really matter. I mean, it's one of those yeah. games where in the moment, if you watch the whole thing, it's maddening as they blew so many opportunities, but take a step back or two steps back and realize that a, the offense still did its job for the most part, just didn't have the timing down and B like the game didn't really matter in the grand scheme. I know they're in the middle of the playoff race, but um, as we'll touch on in a second, they're in good shape. So it's, it's one of those games that, uh, after, you know, 30 minutes after the game, it's like, you know what, that was probably not a big deal. Uh, but if you're watching it, I totally understand being frustrated by it. It was fine. Uh, overall, uh, I do want to ask you about Saturday night to talk about one of your sons and Ian Anderson. Um, the offense didn't do a lot on Saturday night, uh, but they won two to one Anderson, seven innings, one hit, three walks, nine strikeouts, no runs and 12 swing and misses, which is a lot. Uh, there were some scary moments late with Melanson loading the bases in the ninth, but, uh, obviously very, very clearly the headliner on Saturday is Ian Anderson. So he was not great in his first outing this week. He got bumped, uh, pretty quickly and didn't go very long. It wasn't like a worry spot, but, uh, he obviously impressed yet again. So even beyond Saturday, I want you to talk about like what you think of Ian Anderson right now, which is obviously a silly question because he looks great, but how sustainable do you think this all is because you've seen him a lot more than I have a lot, bit, a lot more than most people have. Like what, what are your sort of general thoughts on a guy who is uh, still super young coming up and making an impression right now? So I, I do want to mention one thing before I talk about Ian is that I do think that it's likely that Mark Melanson's days uh, as the high relief, high leverage reliever of choice 
might be coming to an end just because I don't think he's looked particularly good. Um, he, he is not. No, and, and, I mean, and he's. You still put a, use him in a rotation in like in pretty important spots, but in terms of like your best reliever or highest leverage reliever, I think there's a couple other guys, uh, Chris Martin and AJ Minter, come to mind. Well, weirdly, uh, his who, like his strikeout rate's kind of gone away this year. That's one spot where I would worry is that he's not he's not getting swings and misses anymore. Yeah, but and he's putting a lot of guys on. Yeah, I can already tell you people are gonna people are gonna respond to our saying this um, by pointing out that he has an ERA of two point oh four this year and i agree with you by the way like his peripherals are not indicative of someone who's pitching that way but if you don't if you don't go beyond the era you're going to wonder why we're saying this um but well the, strike the, out right down like babip down lucky stuff um ground ball rate yeah you know, there's questions there, there's questions of inherited runners and you know is this really the guy you wanting to use in in extra innings where there's a guy on second base already he has uh, not been you know, dominant like... that, that's for sure he has not been dominant this year no and the this is only a question. This is only a question that can be raised by a team that actually has a good bullpen, right? Like the problem is that they have a lot of really good arms, and then at some point you begin to question as to whether or not is this the guy that like you're you're the guy that you hold for the biggest spots. It's well, not yeah, that and... you, this is the guy that needs to get be get, get gone. You know what I mean? Like like the Braves the Braves bullpen is legitimately very very good. It's very uh, it's very good. Through. It's very good, and uh, it's kind of funny, you know. I think Snicker has not been completely uh, shackled to the closer role, but he is certainly one of the more traditional managers in that respect. And I think he likes to have a, a guy that's the closer. I think we've seen that. Uh, so unfortunately, I think he's going to have to kind of wait for Melanson to implode to not give him that role. Um, I could be wrong about that, yeah. obviously, but I, I think that Snicker is going to lean on vets and he's going to lean on his process and his process is going to be Melanson until it's not Melanson anymore, especially when the other guy that he was given this year with a big price tag and all that stuff is Will Smith, who has not been great either. So, you know, it's, yeah, more, yeah. it's, it's he's, more he of a, uh, one of the worst believers. Yeah, I mean, Smith, I'm not worried yet. We talked about him last weekend, no. I think, with Zach as well. I'm not worried about Will Smith long-term. He just hasn't been himself just yet, which is okay. It's it's not, It hasn't hurt them too bad so far. But I think if there was a guy that you would convince Snicker to go to that was not Melanson, it would have been Smith, and it's not going to be Smith, if that makes sense. Like, I think you have a harder time selling me on, in the practical world, Snicker going to mentor in a closer spot with Melanson sitting there ready to go. I, th- I think he's not going to do that unless unless Melanson blows I, I, up between now and October. That, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair, and especially if Mel- I mean, if Melanson strings together a few bad appearances, I can see it happening. But you're probably right. Uh, but I just I kind of feel like we're kind of trending in that direction. I just feel like his appearances have gotten more and more interesting. He's not been great. Not, yeah, I'm with you. No, it's not not terrible. I want to be clear Correct. about that. Not bad. Just more interesting than I'd want one. Uh, yeah, especially when you considering what else you've been getting from some of these other guys. And Saturday um, was a good now, example sure. of that when he was uh, it was it was very touch and go Saturday night. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of Ian, I'm really just very pleased with where he's at right now. The one thing that you wonder about him is like, can he maintain fastball command for long enough stretches to kind of go deeper in the games? Um, and, you know, he had, for example, in that two to one win, he had, I, I can't remember if it was anyone. It was pretty early where like the, his, the, his fastball command was just gone. This wasn't ha- he was putting guys on and, you know, they had to do a mound visit to kind of get him under back under control and he got back out of the inning and then he settled in. And for those last three or four innings, like you couldn't, he couldn't get touched. He was just striking out guys left and right. It was like 10 pitch innings and he, you know, pitched deep into that game and, you know, for a bullpen that's really had to work a lot. It was nice to kind of have a game like that, followed by, you know, Wright going six innings today, you know, kind of give them a little bit of a reprieve from having to pitch so much. Um, the, the pitch that really has impressed me the most, I mean, the, the fastball command, you know, we've seen it kind of come and go a little bit. And that second start, it wasn't quite as good. But when it's on, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's a pitch he can throw up in the zone and get swings and misses on. He has real velocity. The pitch that's really impressed me the most, though, has been the changeup because it's really kind of helped him against lefty batters. And it, 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 he's gotten some really, truly ugly swings at it. Like guys who were like sitting on that fastball, they were convinced that that's what they were swinging at until about halfway through their swing and they realized they've made a terrible mistake. You know, it's, it, his changeup was a pretty good pitch coming at high school and a lot of people projected it as plus. In the minors, though, I mean, it just, it, it was never this good when we, whenever I saw it. 
It was always kind of like a average to an above average pitch, something that you had to respect. You can't sit on a fastball with him because he will throw the changeup, but it wasn't like a pitch that you had to like, you know, kind of really make note of beyond that. But, you know, that's kind of one of his, his I think it's in his best pinch since he's been called up. You know, the curveball has been good. Uh, he's, he can throw it for strikes. And, you know, he's obviously been able to kind of throw that all throughout the zone. And, you know, in those three starts, he's looked good. He's looked really good. Uh, the second one being the, the weakest of the three. But, you know, in terms of like getting like swings and misses and kind of pitches he's been able to rely on to kind of go to for outs, that changeup has been what's been a, a, a real big difference for him. And I'm really happy for him. He looks great. Um, I am the furthest thing from a pitching expert and obviously not a prospect guru like you are, so I'm not even going to try to weigh in. He's obviously just looked very good. Um, the strikeouts were a pleasant surprise on Saturday, I thought, uh, getting nine. And the 12th wing of misses was really eye-opening for me in that game. Uh, we'll see how he looks. I think he's going to have two, maybe three more starts before uh, the playoffs arrive. I would guess probably two, um, if, if, especially because they're going to have it probably sealed up by the end of uh, – next week but we'll we'll see how that all goes uh line them up don't, keep don't, don't, don't. We, we're not talking about being it's weird that we're already talking about magic numbers and stuff like that but it's you it's didn't hear right me say magic, right? I, I said probably I, I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna say anything's over it's not over it's by any kiss, means the, the kiss of death it's a good time to point out that uh at this moment in time the braves have a three and a half game lead on the marlins a four game lead on the phillies and according to 538 they are 95% right now to win the division. That is by far the highest mark of the year. They've been 99% to make the playoffs for quite some time. The playoffs are a lock at this point, essentially. Um, but the division is not a lock just yet. It's not absolutely over, but they are obviously a massive favorite to win the division. And if they win the division, that's kind of all that matters at this point in time. Um, you can pedal off from there and line guys up, keep guys arrested, etc. And that's a uh, that's more of a next week topic on the podcast. But I uh, just want to set the stage a little bit from where they actually are right now. Uh, transitioning to Sunday's game, another young guy, Kyle Wright, uh, wasn't as good as Ian Anderson, but he beat Max Scherzer today, which is uh, surprising. Obviously, Max Scherzer is very good. He was not very good today, necessarily, but I thought Wright was decent, uh, had some flashes. He was not incredible, did not get a lot of help defensively, especially in the fifth inning of the, of the game, but his final line looks fine, yeah. six innings, uh, three earned, two walks, four Ks. He did give up 10 base runners, which is more than you would want. Um no one's saying that Kyle Wright was awesome today, but he did have this. He did have those flashes, and my overarching takeaway is what we already said earlier. Like it's just good to see Kyle Wright out there instead of guys like Malone and Erlin. The upside is just so much higher. Um, you know, keep him on a short leash for sure. He's not proven to be a guy who's going to go out there and throw you six innings. I know, I know he threw six today, but uh, if the game had mattered more, you would have taken him out before that, I'd imagine. Um, but still, he pitched fine-ish, and that's kind of all you need him to be to like encourage you to give him more rope for the next couple weeks. Well, I think he's actually, he's, I think he pitched significantly better than his line too. Cause I, I had kind of stepped away from the game for a second. Cause you know, I've, you know, I've got kids and you know, sometimes I just have to do things. Uh, and when I came back, like the bases were loaded and I'm like, Oh, this is the, you know, this, here we go. Kyle Wright's having a, you know, struggling, struggling as he gets deeper into a ball game. But it sounds like it wasn't just defensive problems. It was also just like horrific bad, like batted ball luck, you know, like, you know, a bunt, a, a broken bat flare, and, you know, like all of a sudden the bases were loaded. You know what I mean? So I, I think that overall there's a lot of positives, certainly a lot more positives to take away from the start than negatives, uh, especially when you put some of these runs that you kind of got put on his line weren't necessarily his fault. Uh, obviously giving up a first pitch home run to Esdrubal Cabrera probably isn't ideal. <laughs> Not but, ideal. Um, no, but at the same time, you know, you know, little things like that happening, and as long as they're solo home runs, then you know you kind of feel like you know he's at least managing the game reasonably well. His pitch, his stuff looked pretty good. Um, you know, it's interesting that we're kind of getting down to the the end of the season here, and I was genuinely concerned that like the problem was going to be that when you lose Ronnie, you lose Ozzy. You know. You have some of the guys in the lineup underperforming beyond those two guys, and you lose eighty percent of your rotation. That the Braves are going to we're going to be in a position where they're going to be like probably sitting around five hundred. You know, after already kind of get you know get padding their their wins a bit early on in the season, that they were going to lose more than they lost, they won, and they were going to find themselves in this crazy dogfight towards the end of the game at the end of the season. And I just didn't know if the rotation was going to be able to hand up stand up to that. And now we're like looking at it, and the Braves are like nine games over five hundred. After this stretch where, like, they've lost everybody, 
now they're getting everybody back, and it feels like the, the whole lineup is kind of rounding into form. The bullpens look really good, and now we're going to have a rotation that is going to have like actual, you know, real live <laughs> players in it, as opposed to you know converted bullpen guys and other teams' castaways. So, <laughs> you know, it's all of a sudden I start wondering, you know, if the, if the, the team could get to this point on what they've had, well, I'm basically running on fumes, especially with their their starting rotation. And now they're they got all their guys back and like happy and healthy. Like you wonder, like how good this team could be. And it's it's been really fun to kind of follow the team. Like it's it's been kind of almost stupid that they've actually been pull pull out some of these games, but they did. And because they did, now they finally find themselves in a position where they're at full strength. What could they really do to you know to the you know the rest of their schedule and kind of going forward? So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, they're playing well. Obviously, uh, I do want to say give you one more. Uh sort of fun fact slash something to monitor for the next two weeks. The Braves have a chance to hit more home runs this season in 60 games, again, 60-game season, than they did in the entirety of the 2015 season, which was a full-length season. So they have 82 home runs right now. Uh, they only hit 100 total in 2015, which is crazy, by the way, that they, that they only hit 100 in the modern era. Um, but they've hit, they've hit 82 in 47 games. Uh, that 2015 team, the only guy who hit more than 10 home runs was Freddie, and he hit 18. Uh, Cameron Mabin and Adonis Garcia were tied for second with 10 each. Uh, yep. Marquez, they're, 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 they're waiting getting their numbers retired by the Braves. Yeah, the, the, the other two guys that I wanted to point out are were full-time players. Marquez hit three home runs all season long in um, – 156 games, which is a ton of games, and then Anderson Simmons hit four in 147 games. So, all that to say, this is just one of those weird things that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The Braves have a real chance. They are actually on pace to out-homer a team from five years ago in a season that is 40% as long as that season was. I remember talking back, I think it was 2015 and 2016 for that matter, uh, about with you about just how few home runs this team these teams were hitting and like just like it was kind of painful to watch you know that all these other teams were kind of like reverting to you know launch angle and actually trying to hit for power and like we were watching you know Ender and Ciarte ground out to second you know Nick is ground out to second and you know Jace Peterson hitting these weak flares that just ended up right at people and you know, you kind of think about those teams, you know, watching Andrelton Simmons, like as a guy who I love watching playing at shortstop and I wish the Braves still had him uh, as much as good as Dancy has been. Uh, Andrelton has been probably one of my favorite players to watch on the field. Maybe ever. It's pretty close. You know, you see some pretty entertaining things from Andrew Jones and the like, but you know, in terms of like playing the field, he's amazing. Uh, but watching him bat sometimes, is just like, truly painful to watch especially early and on watch- when he had no power yeah. i mean the power came on a little bit later uh i forgot to tell you this to put in the, put, in, put in our doc but uh i want to i want to give you this, the team-wide slash line in 2015 uh well, granted this is a, this was a terrible baseball team they won 67 games so keep that in mind they were awful but the team-wide slash line was 251 314 Oof. three 359 slugging for the season for a full team now granted the non-pitchers they slashed uh better than that had a 372 slugging but still the non-pitchers had a, had a sub 700 ops that year and really the only guys on the team that hit at an above average level that season were like freddie and adonis garcia marcakis and like Juan well, uribe well, <laughs> Juan uribe what, what was what was their wrc plus that season uh, I don't have it in front of me. Their OPS plus, I'm looking at baseball reference, was 87. So that's similar to WRC plus. Uh, not exactly the same, but it wasn't great. Fun good. fact. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, the 2016 Braves posted a Team 86 WRC plus. <laughs> yeah, there were some lean. There were some lean yeah, there, years. Yeah, those were those were some really tough years back then. Uh, right when I started coverage, so you know that was always fun. At least I was writing minor league recaps back then, back then, because uh, I can't imagine doing major league coverage back then. It yeah, that was the time when the minor leagues were a lot more interesting than the major leagues uh, overall. Yes. And yeah, the Braves, uh, yes, were dead last in major in the majors in WRC plus in 2015 at 84. So yeah, 2015, 2016, really rough. 
Uh, they hit a hundred home races. runs, Eric. A hundred. Second worst that's was 120. So, that's real. That's that's really hard. A hundred. It's impossible to hit a hundred home runs in a full major league season in, in the modern game. That's absolutely ridiculous. A hundred. Hundred homers for the season. I, I, I think this team, and I think this team's going to beat that. By the way, I'm, I feel pretty confident because what you like, if they average two a game the rest of the way, it's like then they beat them, right? Yeah. yeah so by, by like comfortable. Yeah. I'm, I the Braves very, are, I, I believe, I believe there's coming into the day they were tied for second in the majors with 80 home runs. The Dodgers have 87 coming into the day, which is a lot of home runs. But you know, it's the perfect storm of the Braves being really home run heavy this year and that 2015 team just not being home run heavy. But yeah, pretty crazy stat that I wanted to point out. I think it was Mark Bowman. I saw it from first. I can't, I can't imagine who else it was. But uh, I, I, believe you, I believe you're right. Yeah, Still, still a good one overall. Uh, all right, this week, uh, the Braves have a day off Thursday. They play Baltimore for three, and then they have the day off, and then they go to New York to play the Mets for three. Uh, as, we met, as we referenced last week on the, pod, on the podcast, the schedule has been has so light the whole rest of the way. They don't play any good baseball teams, essentially, down the stretch. Uh they can wrap everything up this week. If they go out and go four and two again, go five and one, then it'll be over. Uh, if they don't do that, then it might get interesting. But uh, this is a week where they could just slam the door shut and uh, align everything up. Yeah, and it does depend a little bit on what Miami and Philadelphia do too. I mean, like it Miami does. and Philadelphia were busy beating up on each other. Miami sweeping the doubleheader against Philadelphia today was pretty helpful. Uh, that just... did sway things in the Braves' favor. I think coming into the day, the Braves were like. Still like ninety-ish percent to win the division, but it went from ninety to ninety-five when it when which is a pretty big jump when you're when you're that high in the in the uh, spectrum because the Braves won and uh, the Phillies lost both times and uh, the the systems like the Phillies more than the Marlins for obvious talent reasons. So the Marlins being closer to the Braves is good for the Braves according to all the projections. Well, yeah, and I think that both the both the Marlins and the Phillies, I think that they have like a schedule that's kind of loaded with some doubleheaders because of games missed and stuff like that going forward too. So, like oh, they, yeah, they, all, they all have a lot less games than the Braves do for sure. Yeah, so you know, overall, like you kind of you, you just kind of like where the Braves are. They have that game, they had the day off when Thursday. Uh, then they play a whole bunch of games to kind of end the season, but no, like they don't have as far as I'm aware, no like, no more makeup doubleheaders. And I like as you mentioned. Have, they're not playing against particularly good teams. Um, you'd like to think that maybe the Mets are going to be giving up here before too long. Uh, and if that's the case, then maybe you kind of are able to take advantage of what has been a surprisingly weak division. I mean, like, like watching the Nationals play, obviously Trey, Trey Turner and like Juan Soto are just like going to be a perennially a problem, I think. But I am genuinely shocked by how bad the Nationals are. Like they, yeah, they, they, they should not have been this bad. bad. It's it's uh that that's a roster that has some holes coming into the year, but no one no one could have predicted them to be seventeen twenty eight. I know it's a small sample size, but yeah, they've been. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they lose Strasburg. I mean, Scherzer is an example of a guy who like you know they needed him to be amazing, and he's just been okay. You know, like yeah. he looks very human. He looked very human against the Braves today. He looked very human, and they also had a stretch where I think they lost. It was like. 10 out of 11 or something like that in uh, in late August or early September, something like that. They had a really bad run to kind of end their season. But yeah, uh, pour some dirt on the Nationals, which is uh, never a bad thing if you are a Braves fan. Okay, Eric, we've done enough, I think, on this podcast. If you have any, any parting thoughts, please share them. Thursday is the final off day of the season. For the Braves, as you referenced, there are no, no, no double headers, but uh, the following week, the last week of the season, it's it's a straight seven game, seven day week. So Thursday's the last off day, and everybody should be buckling in because. There's still uncertainty about the playoffs, which is kind of hilarious. We still not have a full announcement on the playoff format slash location bubble stuff is still out there. Uh, we know what the order is going to be if that all gets set, but we don't know where the, where the games will be played. Regardless, though, uh, we're still planning to do like every game podcast when the playoffs arrive, as we have done in the past. But uh, yeah, any final thoughts, Eric? We're uh, we're getting very close to the postseason. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of cover postseason baseball. I honestly was very skeptical that we'd get to this point where, like, the playoffs were even going to be a conversation, uh, especially with, like, all the problems the Marlins and the Cardinals have early on with COVID. Uh, but it seems like they've, like, baseball really kind of got their their testing protocols in place, and all the players seem to have gotten on board with, you know, I mean, the the only thing you've heard of from a cancellation perspective was, like, the a couple Giants games got postponed, and that was, like, just a member of the Giants organization tested positive and they like immediately shut things down. And I think that's been really heartening to kind of see 
the commitment that all these teams have put into making sure the season happens. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to experience, and I'm, you know, I, I know it's not a good idea long term. At least I don't think it is to have expanded playoffs. But I am really excited to kind of see like teams that we normally don't see in the playoffs. You know, we're gonna have some weird things happen. Like the Miami Marlins somehow might make the playoffs this year, uh, which is kind of bizarre to me. Um, and you kind of hope that you. You, know, you see some weird things happen, but more importantly, this is a team that seems like it can really make a run. So I kind of really don't want to have a repeat of last year where, and really a lot of years where you know it's a first-round exit and we're kind of talking about what could have been, um, assuming that the Braves can kind of cement a spot and kind of get a favorable matchup for at least that first round. It's going to be kind of nice to be talking about play, playoff baseball. Uh, if it's the if it's against the Cardinals in the first round again, I'm just going to kind of resign myself to the baseball gods just wanting to hurt me again. <laughs> Strong agree. We will preview uh, even more next week, and then, of course, we'll set the stage in advance of the playoffs. So please subscribe to the podcast. You get all of this great content for one low price of zero. If you just subscribe and tell a friend, leave five star feedback if you enjoy the show in terms of ratings and reviews, all that stuff. We'll be back again maybe midweek. We'll see. We've done pretty well with at least having some midweek content on the feed, but if nothing else, we'll be back by next weekend to break it all down for you. Follow Eric on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Talking Shop, as well as all of our written content over on the site. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.